Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. God, you've called us to a walk of faith, not of sight, but of faith. You've also called us to a life of obedience. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, help us to understand. Lord, we all have ears, but I don't know if we hear. Lord, I'm not sure about us at times. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us this morning to understand the Word of God and to act on it and obey it and then reap the fruits and benefits from it. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we just had our baby dedication. All these little fellows and girls. This is a walk of faith. That's what the Bible tells us, right? The just shall walk by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you don't know the future of every one of those children, what they might be, do, where, live, become. But it's a walk by faith. Now look, just hearing the Word of God, nodding your head, going through our little ceremonies, uh, doesn't mean you have faith. It doesn't. The Bible simply says this. Now this is scripture I didn't give you, Denise, so hang on. It says this in James. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Dead. So you could be out there nodding, yes, amen, vowing, and all this kind of stuff, because it sounds good, and it's your grandchild, or whatever is going on. But if faith in what this says does not produce you to keep your vow, or to change ways that you live, because you see something in here different, then the Bible says, man, your faith is dead. Do you understand that? You can nod all you want, attend all you want, but when you see something in the Word of God, and God says, now, this is what you've got to do, and you say, I have faith, but then you don't do it, just nod your head, let the water pass under the bridge, then it, you don't. You don't. You don't have that. You don't. You just don't. Goes on and says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Do you understand what that means? It means if you're a grandpa and you have opportunity to pour the word of God into your grandchildren, whether you're taking them fishing or what. Look how awesome God is. He's so creative. And imagine, look at all the different fish he's made. You, you put that into them because you have faith in the word of God that it will keep them. And the works is, is you're talking about, them, about God to them. Not just, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Now this got this to flow and rule into all areas of your life. Not just baby dedication. But that's what it reminded me of this morning was you can say you have faith but if it doesn't produce you to say you know what what I'm doing is wrong and you turn and go to a different direction that's the works you've got God expects you to do something not just swinging your hammock and say amen it, it doesn't work that way 
So here we go. Whatever. Here we go. The, the whole idea of this morning's message, it's entitled heaviness. Because heaviness just comes on you at times. Different reasons. I mean, our society right now creates a heaviness. Seems to be no lawlessness, no understanding, no civil uh, people acting civil anymore. It's just crazy. Uh, I even heard that uh, California, I don't know if it's a certain area in California or California in general, is kicking around the idea of banning all kind of Christian literature. None. In the state of the United States. One of the states. I mean, that, that's, are you insane? And then the, the various suicides in our area. There was another one last week. A, uh, a, a political figure. A public official. Seems like it's, it's leaning towards he had committed suicide. And then the divisions and all the various stuff that goes on. And the hopelessness can cause a heaviness. Like what is going on? So how do you handle that? How do you handle this kind of stuff? Or when situations come your way that you never planned for, you weren't expecting it, just came out of the blue. So we're going to look at that according to the Word of God. The whole idea is, is once this unveils itself as we continue, then the faith hopefully stirs, and then it causes you to do something. That's true faith. If it doesn't, James is saying, who are you kidding? So 1 Peter 1 once is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout the area. Run for your life. Strangers scattered. That's literally, that's the outcasts of Israel. Listen, that's the believers. They were running for their life. Just like you, a believer, believer in Christ and the things of God. Well, years ago, here they were. And they're out running for their life. Peter goes on and says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the erection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible, listen, undefiled, that fadeth not away, listen, reserved in heaven for you. It's there right now. Right now it's reserved. Most places or dinners I go to, there's never a place reserved for me. You just kind of got to find a seat. But occasionally, every once in a while, it's kind of cool. You see, reserved, you say, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. And you go to that place that's picked for you. God says, there's that in heaven. Oh, yeah, hallelujah. Absolutely. Now, he goes on and says this. That which is reserved for us, he's talking about us scattered abroad, the believers going through heaviness of time, persecution. It says, you are kept by the power of God. How? By faith is what the Word of God says. By faith, by this substance that you hope for, the evidence of things not seen, but yet causes you to believe and move and react. You're kept by that. If you just sit there and go, uh -huh, nothing's keeping you. You're floundering. You are kept by the power of God through faith. 
unto the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That word kept means you are being guarded right now, today, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how heavy the circumstances, you are being guarded by faith, by Christ. And that which he has asked you to put faith in is reserved for you in heaven. Now you have to act on that. You just can't say, amen, amen. No, that causes you to live a certain way, teach your children a certain way, and say, hey, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. It causes something to happen in your life. So you're kept and you are being guarded. Verse 6 says, wherein you greatly rejoice about that. Amen? I mean, that's a reason to rejoice. Now there's always a but. You understand, God has never promised you a life uh, of ease uh, or a bowl of cherries. Actually, when I was going to write down bowl of cherries, I was thinking of my wife because she always tells me, these young people have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> young folks, do you know what I mean when I say you aren't guaranteed a bowl of cherries? Who says no? I don't know who's right, Ruth. I didn't see any hands. This stuff like this or this, I don't know what that means. Whether they're non-committal. But you're not. God says you're going to have much tribulation in this world. But he says, yeah, be of good cheer, I've overcome it. And you overcome it by faith in Christ. And that causes you to do things. It causes you to hang on when you don't see nothing, feel nothing, sense nothing. That's what you have to do. And so the Word of God says, wherein you greatly rejoice, but now for a season. Could be your season. Your steps are ordered of God. They are to the true believer. They are. They're ordered by God. So tomorrow morning you could get up and God could order trouble. Oh no, God's always good. At the, what, read the Word of God. So it says, but now for a season, if need be, and most time we do need be. It says, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Are you in heaviness this morning? It's just sometimes you can't take a deep breath. The weight of things that are pressing in on you or maybe as a nation. Heaviness means a dullness. It also means colorless. Nothing, no, no brilliant colors in life. Dark. And sometimes life can get this way. It just can. Sometimes you feel like faint. Your knees just... Buck. And that's part of being human. Manifold. Means many or various kinds of temptations and trials. Testing your faith. Coming upon you. Trouble ordered up. Sometimes it's things that seem like won't go away. You keep waiting for it at the end. Just doesn't seem like it goes on and on. So for now, maybe your faith is under attack. You're in a season of heaviness. I can't quite remember the words of the songs, but it was talking about worship, and so will I. Whether you feel like it or not, want to or not, think you have a reason to or not. And most likely we don't because we don't understand it. 
We have this American idea, church, sing, a couple songs, yeah, praise, worship, now listen to them speak for him, and leave, goodbye. And wonder why no great moves ever happen. People literally risk their lives, dig holes, and bury pages of the Word of God so they could read it later. Meaning, they see it, and it's like, oh my gosh. And then they change their lifestyle to do what that says. We don't. We don't seem to be moved by the Word. Every day seems, sometimes seems to be dark and colorless. Man, it was so fun just a couple days ago when the sun came out. Gray sky after gray sky after grace, no sunshine, no blue, unseasonably cold. Come on! Well, it can happen that way emotionally and spiritually. Sometimes you can't sense the leading of the Lord. Or you just kind of feel low in faith. Just don't seem to have it. You're not sure what direction to take, or you feel like you're in a fog. Man, a foggy day and a drizzling day and a gray day in this state, and you got to drive to Columbus. It's horrible compared to a crisp, clear day with the sun. Doesn't it affect? It affects, and an enemy knows that. This is the place where fear can set in. A place where hopelessness reigns. People then don't even get out of bed. Not talking about the well tongue, what's going on in your heart and mind. What's the use? Christians. For as long as this church has existed, we have visited Christians in the psych ward. A place where light is as darkness. That's what the Word of God says. Now we're going to look at some reasons for seasons of heaviness. And they happen to all of us. Every one of you are prone to this. Every one of you are in the enemy's crosshairs. Like it or not, shake your head or not, believe it or not, come here ever again or not. Tell that doesn't matter. Life itself. Plain life. Just life. One twist of a spigot knob on the outside of my house, everything went crazy. Everything, all the water was going in the basement. It's supposed to be coming out there. It's going in there. Ceilings falling down, television. One little... Life does all kind of weird things at times. That's minor compared to what happens in life. It is. It really is. The psalmist says, My soul melteth for heaviness. Oh, it can get so heavy. Soul means life. My life's melting. That word melting means to be like drip, drip, drops, leaking away. I can't take one more thing. We're living in a day and age now where that's true and people are snapping. They are. 
They really are. So life itself can just drain us. The weight of it can be unbelievable. Just things. And it don't even have to be big things sometimes. I come back from just a nice meeting with a nice group of young men. Walk in the house and Ruth says, dryer won't work. Tim the tool man. Oh yeah, I got a screwdriver and a hammer. Just like, just like something, oh, come on. Dryer, just dry. It's all masked, just dry. Once in a while, turn on and work. I mean, just like, and, and sometimes there's the silliest thing, and I don't want to deal with it anymore because I'm just here. Don't bother me. I told you maybe a couple of months ago, and I found shock when Ruth said she felt the same way. Probably not anymore, but I still do. It's like with our cat. He's been around 12 years. I'm tired of taking care of you. You laugh. It just does. Just, sometimes it just builds up. It's like, look, dude, go out there and catch something. I do. I tell them, get out. Go to work. Get your lunch pail. Get out there and do something. Tired of feeding you. You don't do anything. That's <laughs> uh, not made up. That's what's funny. Just like, just like one more, like, look, dude, I'm dealing with the dryer, now the car, and the tire's low. Good, get out and eat something. Just, it can be that way. Life, just drip, drip. We're not even talking about major things, and they can really blindside you. Major. Life melts away. And then there's this one. You know, we're talking about Christians. Psalm 69, 20 says, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. It happens to all of us. The Bible tells you that if it happened to me, Christ said, it'll happen to you. Reproach, insults, rejection, betrayal. Amen. New Living Translation says, their insults have broken my heart and I am in despair. I can't believe it. can't believe what they said. They're insults, despair, depression, misery. It causes misery. It does. It's worse than anything. Insults from loved ones or dear friends. Remember that little thing, sticks and stones? Words will never hurt me. Well, whoever said that was lying. Literally, weren't they? Words. I take a stick wrapped over my, break my arm over words. Over words that have broken my heart. Listen to this. Oh, I'm telling you the truth. Over years, I have felt words pierce right through me as they're being said. Right through me. I can still remember the very first time. I could see the face where I was and what was coming out. And it was like, I mean, I didn't literally go like this, but it's what I felt like in my spirit. I just turned, I was like... Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Maybe a son. You've raised all your life that little guy, and he raises up and says something horrible to you. Well, your husband, and you stood before Almighty God until death, do, he's gone. Even if he isn't out of the house. Reproaches. Despair. My heart. 
those can be pretty heavy on top of life, on top of the water, like I said, top of the dryer, and now the cat. When you come back after having been run through or just life itself and things, and oh, it's overwhelming, overwhelming. And then there's this one. Philippians 2.25 says this, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he has longed after you and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had been sick. We get oodles of those phone calls. I'll come home and Ruth say, so-and-so has cancer. I'm like, what? What? You just hear various things happening to the saints here. Different families, different doctors that call you and eventually makes our way. Or Facebook, I read something, I go, what? What's going on here? And try to look into it or investigate it. And you, look, look, you're going to, sometimes I got to suck it up to just go. Being overwhelmed with it. Driving, saying, God, what do you expect me to say? I tell God all the time, I'm just Joe from Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, I do. And I even told Ruth, what on earth am I supposed to do? When this person is dying and you've done all that you can do spiritually? You, you really? It, most wise, one of the wisest words Ruth's ever given is she said, just being there. You don't even have to say anything. Just be there. Sometimes I have to ask God like crazy to give me strength just to be there. When it's three in the morning or whatever time it is. That happens to all of us. Not just me. It's not about me. It's us. Bad news. A friend. I was trying to find out some information from my grandson who's going to head to D.C. and want to know if I knew anybody in Vietnam, uh, during the Vietnam War that died. And I was checking my high school class and a number of them went, but no one passed away. And I, I finally found one and, and sent it to him. But I was asking my buddies and, uh, well, people that I knew. And like I've always told you, I only had like one or two real buddies. And I asked my one, Dave, if he knew of any. And he says, well, I do know some that served, but... I don't think any of them died. And he said, by the way, I just got done with five months of chemo. I have leukemia. I was like, what? Dave. I mean, this is my buddy that I grew up with. We laughed with, rolled around in the grass with, wiffle ball, played baseball, double dated, introduced him to his wife through Ruth. And I was just, again, I just remember sitting there going, oh, man. It can happen, doesn't it? I'm not telling you anything foreign. You shouldn't be sitting there going, huh, that's never. Now, if you have any kind of life in you, that stuff has happened. Psalms 55, 5 says, Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and horror hath overwhelmed me. All it does is take a phone call from a doctor. I just went through that. 
right before we went to L.A., right before we went to L.A., I get this call in my office, and I'm telling you, it's as if someone just dumped ice or something on me. I remember just going, what? I had to go all through L.A. before I could come back and have tests, and I'm fine, all that stuff. But it's just, that was just instant, out of nowhere, having a grand day, and that came upon me. I got to do something with that. Psalms 137.1 says this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. That's where the enemy wants you. Somewhere sitting under a tree, weeping and crying over your circumstances. No longer being any good to the hand of God and the kingdom of God and the things of God. People who need God walking right by you because you're under a juniper tree. Weeping. And it can be overwhelming at times, and I understand that. These people are a great way from their home country. They're prisoners of war. Being mocked and laughed at. So they're weeping, hearts broken, overwhelmed, heaviness. What do you think the next thing happens? They hung up their instruments of worship. We have worship every Sunday. I don't know whether you play it or not. Well, I don't play an instrument. Yes, you do. They hung up their harps, their, their instrument to worship and glorify and magnify Almighty God. See, if you really understood that and understood what that meant and had faith to believe it, you'd act on it. Or you do this, or you wait for worship to be over and hope whoever's speaking is good. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. In the midst of what? In the midst of the heaviness. In the midst of the bondage. In the midst of being tossed into a foreign land. Sitting there in the midst of the weeping and the wailing. They stopped worshiping. They stopped worshiping. Verse 3 said this, For there, for there those who carried us away captive... Ask of us a song. Those that plundered them and, and, and arrested them and threw them into prisons said, sing now. And those who plundered us request mirth, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Verse 4 says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How shall we sing when my heart's broken and ripped out of my chest? How do I sing when I just received a call about a friend or a family member? Horrible news. How do I sing when I know Lazarus is dead? How do I sing, Lord? The answer is by faith. It's by faith. 
Not dead, see, dead faith won't sing. It won't. Dead faith doesn't believe in singing will do anything. Dead faith just believes that's what it is, singing. The same as having the radio on, just singing. It's music. No idea about worship. Mounting up with wings as eagles. Honoring and glorifying and majesty God Almighty by your instrument. No clue. Isaiah 61.3 tells us this is what we have to do. Whether your faith is dead or alive, we'll know now. He says, to appoint unto them or to anoint them that mourn in Zion. And we do mourn at times. To give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil, the anointing of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Man, most of the time when I counsel people in my office, somewhere along the way I'll tell them, man, you get home, you close that door, whatever it is, basement door outside, and you blast worship music, and you praise God. And they most times just sit there. Uh, yeah, okay. Because they don't understand it. They, uh, waste of time. I, you don't understand. I need an answer here. My life's falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. I don't know where my kids are. I don't even want to take care of the cat. And you're telling me close the door and worship. Tell me something else. Who's hiring? Is there a marriage counselor? You don't get it. It's called a garment of what? It's a garment of Praise. Praise. Oh, gosh. Praise is a song of hymns, worship, singing, and glorifying God. Praises to Almighty God. That's what God said. If you're in that spirit of heaviness, in a season of heaviness, you have this horrible, ungodly news. And it took me and shook me. And I felt it on me. In my office not that long ago. When I got my breath back, I clicked on stuff. About fighting for God. Fighting in the midst of war. Fighting in a battle. And it would stir me and rise me up and pick me up out of and grab my heart back off the tree. Matthew 20 verse 30 says this, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, the Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them. Hold your peace. Shut up. Be quiet. Simmer down. That's what majority of the church wants. And certainly the world wants you to shut up about this Jesus. Blind man. Blind from birth, sitting there, dust, just getting nickels or something and pencils and helps walking by. And the church and those around them say, man, would you just be quiet? Crying out loud. And let me tell you something now. It's not just, it's not a noise. It's what's behind the noise. Oh, thou son of David. Everybody can shout, scream. The enemy wants you to shut up. Would you just stop talking about him? 
Joshua 6.20 says, So the people shouted when the priest blew went the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, the wall fell down, fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. What wall do you need to knock over this morning? What wall has, has you hindered and hampered that you can't go in and take the city for God? Sitting there waiting for God to do something. When God's waiting for you to do something. The wall of depression or the lying spirit of suicide. All these various things. Shout it down. Pull it down with worship and adoration. Despair, hopelessness, misery, loneliness. Pull it down this morning. By putting on the garment of praise. Lord, no matter what happens to me, I'll trust you. Whether I live or die, God, I'm yours. And you can't be there. You're going too fast, Pastor Owen. What, if you live or die? No, it's in the heart. What do you need to knock over this morning? What's been hindering you from serving God? It's probably, if you ask ten Christians, nine of them are probably supposed to say church is supposed to be nice and quiet. Silence, moments of prayer, silence of prayer, quiet, whatever. What? It's a way of shutting you up. You want to pray in school? Pray in school, bow your head and don't say anything. They don't want anybody bowing their head saying, Dear Lord Jesus, get a hold of my teacher and turn this school. Ho, ho! Because it does something. Faith is stirred and faith causes others to catch fire and start to do stuff. And then they start putting on the garment of praise and say, oh my goodness, this is awesome. And start worshiping God and going to another sphere in heaven that bad phone calls and what did I tell you? Remember we studied the eagle? That's what you're supposed to be. When those bad phone calls and those insults and people say piercing words that go right through you like those crows. Caw, caw, caw. And God says the eagle goes up higher and the crow can't follow. Because he can't do it. He don't have it. And the eagle soars on those invisible winds and they're down there going, go, go, go. You can't even hear them anymore. I think most of our eagles walk around with the crows. Listen to what they say. Shut up. Don't move. That's stupid. Hopelessness, misery, loneliness. Supposedly, the fellow that just committed suicide might have been in some legal troubles. It's not worth suicide. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's not. But he had nothing to anchor his soul. He had nothing to give him hope. All he had was the crows. That's all he had. You're being hemmed in. You put on the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit. The spirit of heaviness. Just like that phone call. 
I mean, yeah, we'll do this. Yeah, go get that for lunch. That'll be fun. I got to pack. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to call my son and see what's going on. Phone rings. Hello, doctor. says, what? And a spirit was on me like a wet blanket. It's a spirit. Also, Acts 16 says this, And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. After such a bad beating, they were put in uncomfortable conditions, fastened their feet in stocks. The stocks had more than two holes for legs. They could unmercifully spread your legs. Just, they didn't care what happened to you. And you would be spread out with unbelievable pain and cramping and torment and beaten and despair, locked in the inner prison. Are you in pain this morning? Like I said, has your heart been ripped out of your chest? Have you felt the pierceness of words? And you still bleed. Isn't it funny how you can remember those things? What I'm talking about probably happened somewhere between 1990 and 1992. I can still remember it. And I'll tell you what, it's still tender. So are you in pain? You find yourself in uncomfortable circumstances? Can't believe. I mean, I did. I, sun, I sat there stunned in my office thinking, what? I, I take care of people who are going, I don't become one of them. It, it was just weird, just weird. I don't know how to say it to you. Verse 25 <clears throat> says this. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. That's what I'm talking about. Your chest is ripped open. Your heart is in pieces. You're in this uncomfortable situation. You've been beaten in pain. And by faith, you start to praise God and to worship God. That's what you do. That's what you do. Uh, then your faith is dead. And you understand, I am not singing because I'm a good singer. I am not singing because I want to be heard. I'm singing because God told me to. Sing. Worship. Put on that garment of praise for that spirit. Drive that spirit away by worshiping God. Midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God. Tell you what, my back has been up against the wall a number of times, just like yours. Just like yours. And I remember screaming out songs in time of distress. Not worrying if I got the note right, screaming them out. 
wonderful, glorious, righteous, healer, deliverer, my best friend. Because my back was against the wall and my heart was broken. I didn't know how it was going to end. Verse 26 for Paul and Silas says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, everyone's band were loosed. Those prisoners that have kept you, or those prisons that have kept you locked up in solitaire. Solitaire, your mind, your emotions can be shaken today down to their foundations. Whether your circumstances change or not. Oh, when I'm loose, I'll sing. If you will lift up your voices and worship God in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of maybe something that happened that came here on your way here, when we get to that point and play that song and you come down, and you, by faith you worship. You put on that garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness. And you say, not today. One Samuel says this, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang out. The roar of God came into the camp, went up. Everybody knew it. All the Israelites knew it. All their children knew it. All their enemy that was surrounding them knew it. What happened? What went on? What's going on? God's in the camp. Do you understand? It says, so that the earth rang. That's pretty loud. That's pretty impressive. And again, I remind you, it's not in the noise. I mean, I can't help it. I get to going. Not all the time. Sometimes I weep and cry and struggle. And enemies on me, not this time. And he's trying to rub my face in it. And I'm trying to go up and get a hold of God. And but finally, it gets going. And I even send stuff to you guys. Listen to this. I said to my pastor friends, listen, get up and fight. It's not in the noise or the song. It isn't. It's in believing in what is behind the song. That's what it is. No, you can't walk this walk. You can't live right. But I'll tell you what, something happens when you worship God. When you honor and praise God, you don't care who's watching, who's listening. Excuse me. Leave me alone. You don't know what's going on in my life. I need help. And you throw those hands up and you beg God for help. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, God of all heaven and earth. I don't care what you say. It could just be help. That's the worship that I'm talking about. And then... Praise happens, and then you start to believe, 
and something starts to happen. It's a fruit of believing. There's fruit after worship and praise because I told Ruth, tell our children and call ahead to L.A. because I'm not going there. Tell Jonathan just right on the phone what's going on and I don't want to talk about it anymore when I'm out there. And that's what happened. Pray. I went from what? Are you kidding? To whatever. And what the enemy meant to destroy and ruin a trip didn't happen. Let's stand. Now what happens now is up to you. You have to figure out whether your faith's alive or dead. I'm not trying to give you a formula. I'm, I'm not a formula person. I'm not trying to tell you you have to do this, you have to do it. I'm just saying you have to learn to put on the garment of praise. You walk in this place from a horrible week, from a lousy week, from terrible news. You never know what people's going through. Ruth and I have said that all our life. Sometimes we go, what the heck's the matter with that prayer? What's going on? We're crying out loud. Why don't? And somehow through whatever life we find out something horrible has happened and we go, what stupid jerks we are. Because you don't know what people are going through. You come in here and God has blessed us with a band that will worship and honor God. And you've got to find that garment of praise and you've got to put it on and you've got to worship Almighty God and give God the glory. And something will happen and it can start today, but it's up to you. We will provide the music. You have to step out by faith. Is your faith alive? Because this is your test. This is the test right now. We're going to have altar call. We're going to have the music for you to glorify and honor God. This is not a game. This is an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I'm stepping up. I'm going to believe, Lord. My circumstance, I'm just going to worship you and praise you. I'm not telling you how to. I'm just saying, step out. You know the songs. Okay, Denise, Joseph, make sure we hear it. Our altars are open, church. Powerful songs. This one says it all. Something happens. Something happens. Jesus. You have faith to believe that? 